Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out of pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome. It is The Verdict with Ted Cruz. Weekend review. Ben Ferguson with you. And these are the big stories that you may have missed that we talked about this week. Number one, the big story of the week. Donald Trump voters and those that consider themselves MAGA supporters are now going to be targeted by the FBI in a shocking new memo. The federal government believes that the, quote, threat of violence and major civil disturbances from MAGA supporters is so great that they have created a new category of extremists that it seeks to, quote, track and counter. Who are they tracking? You and Donald Trump's army of MAGA followers. Number two, crime in America out of control. But this time it's affecting Democrats, including one congressman that was carjacked. And finally, we had a very interesting Q&A with Senator Ted Cruz at the Texas Youth Summit. I want you to hear some of the brilliant questions that were asked of the senator. It is the Weekend Review with Ted Cruz, and it starts right now. There is now intel that shows that MAGA Republicans, Donald Trump supporters, uh, will be targeted by the FBI as the 2024 election nears. Newsweek is now reporting on this. And Biden, to go back, tweeted in September of last year, quote, Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans are a threat to the very soul of this country, the very soul of this country. Uh, Christopher, FBI director, uh, Christopher Ray, in sworn testimony, said it's not just Trump supporters early this year. He said House Republicans say the FBI document that they've obtained proved that several field offices contributed to a memo that targeted traditional Catholics. We talked about this extensively on the show uh, as potential terrorists and tried to turn parishioners on uh, their fer- fellow churchgoers. So so if you just look at the last year. Parents who show up at school board meetings are, are to be labeled domestic terrorists. Uh, the FBI was spending time recruiting per- people in the Catholic Church to spy on their friends and family. And now uh, we are being told that heading into the 2024 election, that if you are a Donald Trump follower, supporter, that you may be now monitored or targeted by the FBI. 
Well, that's exactly right. And and part of the challenge here, like, for example, you focused on the FBI's targeting of traditional Catholics, which they rightly got enormous grief because they were talking about infiltrating Catholic churches and trying to get priests to spy on their parishioners and, and, and become FBI informants to, to inform on the members of their church. So initially, the FBI said, oh, that was a rogue office down in Richmond, Virginia. It's not a broader problem. Now, they've admitted that it was multiple offices that participated in it, that this was a much broader effort to target traditional uh, Catholics. And, and, and the same is true uh, with, with the targeting of Donald Trump supporters. You know, even this language. So you can tell someone did a focus group on the Democrat side. And they discovered the phrase MAGA Republican. They, they're going to brand that, that like MAGA. By the way, MAGA Republican in their definition, they mean everybody. They, they literally mean every Republican is a MAGA Republican. And then and, and they just think the word MAGA is really scary. And, and they claim that, that if you are a MAGA Republican is defined as a Republican who voted for Donald Trump. So, you know, 75 to 80 million Americans are defined according to to this White House as potential terrorists, as threats to democracy. And, and this is this is how Democrats have become radicalized. They, they now say, if you dare vote against Democrats, you are a threat to democracy. Just understand, every time Democrats use the word democracy, what they mean is me. I'm a Democrat. I want to get elected. And anything that stands in my way is a, quote, threat to democracy. They don't actually want uh, they don't actually want real democracy if it elects Republicans. What they want is Democrats to be in power forever. And by the way, this is intimately connected to their lawlessness on the southern border, because the reason they've allowed seven point six million illegal immigrants into the country is because they want to subvert democracy by getting them to vote for Democrats and keep Democrats in power. Senator, I also think we should bring up in the Newsweek article, it says that if you voted for Donald Trump, the government will track you. Well, well, that's right. And, And in June of this year, the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security filed a joint report uh, with Congress. And and what they say in that joint report is they say, quote, threats from domestic violent extremists have increased in the last two years. And any further increases in threats likely will correspond to potential flashpoints, such as high-profile elections and campaigns or contentious current events. So they're saying... Terrorists are associated with high-profile elections. And, and, and just to make sure there's no ambiguity that they're not talking about Antifa, they're not talking about left-wing terrorists, they are focused on Republicans. He, here's what the, the report concludes, quote, Sociopolitical developments, such as narratives of fraud in the recent general election, conditions related to the COVID-19 pandemic, and conspiracy theories promoting violence will almost certainly spur some domestic terrorists to try to engage in violence. Now, everything they list there, they associate with Republicans. And notice they say COVID. So 
So, so if you don't like lockdowns, you're a terrorist. If you don't, if you don't like forced maskings, you're a terrorist. If you don't like vaccine mandates, you're a terrorist. If you're concerned about the potential health negative effects of forced vaccines, of the COVID vaccines, you're a terrorist. That is the narrative. Anyone that disagrees with the regime, they now define as a violent extremist. And amazingly enough, left-wing violence in their narrative doesn't exist. So Black Lives Matter, not a word about them. Antifa, not a word about them. Uh, the, the efforts targeting, look, we've got now violent riots that are playing out right now in, in cities like Philadelphia, where they're ransacking and looting stores, where they're attacking police officers. That is not violent extremism. If you're a leftist, that's okay. That, that's wonderful. That is, is beautiful social protest to burn American cities. But yet, if, if, you're, if you don't want to see America locked down again on COVID, clearly you're a terrorist. Final question to you. I think we should give it a quick update on the speakership and the House uh, vote kind of risen to the top at this point. He said he's willing to be the speaker. Uh, that would be, uh, and if you missed our interview with him, a two-part series on the, on the Hunter Biden investigation, go back and listen to it. He's phenomenal on this issue. Talk about the timeline now of when we expect uh, the House side to, to take this up of deciding again who's going to be the speaker. Well, my understanding is the House is going to vote on speaker next week, and, and I expect it to be a, a roller coaster ride. I mean, you remember back in January, we had a roller coaster ride uh, of over a dozen different uh, ballots before Kevin McCarthy was elected speaker, and it was very narrow. Um, it may well be a, a similar battle. At this point, there are several contenders that are talking about running. Uh, two have announced publicly. One is Steve Scalise. Steve Scalise uh, is is the majority leader. Was Kevin McCarthy's number two? Uh, Steve is is generally perceived to be more conservative than than McCarthy, and so Steve is running as as the candidate that can unify both the moderates uh, in in the Republican conference and also some of the conservatives. Uh, a second candidate who's running, as you noted, is Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan was one of the original founders of the Freedom Caucus. He is is a prominent and well-known conservative. Uh, the media is deeply skeptical of Jim Jordan, and they say he's too conservative to get elected, and the moderates will never support him. I, I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, there is also discussion that Kevin Hearn, who is a Republican from Oklahoma, that he may run. Kevin's, Kevin is a good man. Uh, it's not clear if he will, although there have been reports that he's telling other Republicans he's looking at the race seriously. And then there's been some chatter uh, that Chip Roy might run. I, I don't know if Chip will run or not. Uh, at this point, neither Kevin nor Chip are in the race, but next week they might both be in the race. And and uh, and I don't know if, if, if yet another Republican might jump in. So I think it will be... Uh, vigorously contested i'm sure there's there is a lot of horse trading going on right now there's a lot of negotiations going on right now what's striking is that each of the potential candidates went and met with the texas delegation the reason they met with the texas delegation is texas is the largest contingent of, of house republicans and so you've got the biggest block of votes particularly if the texas delegation votes together it's not clear that they will but they might um, and so at this point, I don't know what will happen. My intention is, is to stay out of it and to leave 
leadership elections to House Republicans. But the answer as to who comes out of it is going to matter quite a bit. And, and, and so we will certainly watch with, with interest and continue uh, to provide the, the, the best analysis we can. Now, if you want to hear the rest of this conversation, you can go back and listen to the full podcast from earlier this week. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Now on to story number two. I want to move to something else that obviously got pushed back in the headlines, but it still is important. The crime wave that we're seeing is not just sweeping the nation, but now it's affecting Democratic leaders and leaders in the liberal liberal movement like we haven't seen before, and it's happening way more often. I'll give you an example. You have a Democratic representative, Henry Uh, Queller, who was carjacked at gunpoint in D.C. Uh, This comes as in just the past, well, it was in a 24-hour period, you had a liberal uh, gay reporter that was shot and killed in his home in Philly. You had a far-left activist that was stabbed to death by a deranged stranger in Brooklyn uh, in front of his girlfriend. You had this Democratic congressman who was carjacked at gunpoint in D.C. by four African-American men, and, and yet... We have Democrats who have a soft on crime policies that aren't just hurting their neighborhoods that I mentioned, these different spots, but it's hurting people in Texas as well. And almost every House Democrat voted against the Republican efforts to stop the D.C. week on crime bill, which specifically would have reduced carjacking penalties. This is something that the Democrats I mean, they voted for this. Aldred, for example, voted with the Dems on this one. It's shocking to me. Well, listen, crime is out of control in this country, and and it's an issue that has people understandably very concerned. I I watched tonight uh, the video of the liberal activist in in New York at four in the morning being stabbed to death on, on the streets of New York by a guy that certainly appears deranged. It was horrific to watch. 
you're you're right. The news of of the left wing journalist in in Philadelphia who was shot, I think, seven times in his own home and killed in the past few days, and and Henry Cuellar. Look, Henry Cuellar is a Democrat congressman from Texas. I know Henry well. Henry represents Laredo up to San Antonio. Henry is is the most conservative of the Texas Democrats. I've I worked hand in hand with Henry, for example, on. Uh, the the Texas bridges. We've talked on this podcast before about four bridges from Texas to Mexico that Henry and I teamed up in and won big legislative victories to build new bridges to Mexico for legal commerce to expand bridges. Um, Henry, as I said, is by far the most conservative of the Texas Democrats. Well, in the last couple of days, Henry was was coming to his apartment in D.C. It was 930 at night, and he was getting out of his car, and he was carjacked. He was carjacked by four individuals. They put a gun in his face. They stole the car. Uh, They stole his luggage. Um, Presumably, I haven't spoken to Henry since it happened, but you have to assume that with a gun in his face, he he was afraid for his life. I mean, that is frightening. My understanding is Henry lives at at, at, at at an apartment building where there are multiple members of Congress who live there. there. There are apparently multiple members of congressional leadership who live there, which means there are a lot of Capitol Police around there. And at 9.30 at night, he was carjacked on, on the streets of D.C. And then that reflects the crime wave that is sweeping this country. Now, the D.C. City Council, which is populated by left-wing Democrats, they voted to lower the penalties for violent crimes, including carjackings. In particular, uh, they, they, they voted to lower the, the, the sentence... Um, uh, from 21 years to seven years, and they voted to, to lower the sentence from 40 years, if armed, to 15 years. And and under the revised code, carjacking is now divided into three gradations, dependent on severity, with the lowest penalties for an unarmed offense ranging from four to 18 years, and the highest penalties from an armed offense ranging from 12 to 24 years. Now, in the Congress, thankfully, the Congress has the ability to rescind any legislation in the District of Columbia, and the reason for that is the Constitution gives Congress total authority over D.C., unlike a state. We can't rescind laws in Texas or any other state, but D.C. is a federal district, and Congress has plenary authority over it. And so in Congress, we voted to rescind these softened crime laws that lessened the penalties for violent crimes, and the results are, are horrific as we're seeing carjacking, murders, crime rates skyrocketing in D.C. and all across the country. You also have the White House who was asked about part of this, and I want to play that for everybody. Take a listen. If a member of Congress is not safe on the streets of the nation's capital, who is? Look, we're grateful and relieved that the congressman is unharmed. We understand what communities are going through across the country, not just in D.C. That's why the president took action very early on in his administration to get the American Rescue Plan done without the help of Republicans. That's why every time he puts forward his budget, he makes sure there are billions of dollars to deal with crime. That's just a fact. All you got to look is what the president has been able to do this past two years. There's always going to be more work to be done. But the fact is the president has taken action. He hasn't taken action. He's done the opposite of that. She didn't have an answer to that. Holy crap, if a Democrat congressman is getting carjacked on the streets of D.C. at 9.30 p.m., what the heck is the answer? And she's like, no, 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 I'm not going to answer that. And what was her answer? Well, you know, Joe Biden's spending a ton of money. 
mind you, not actually putting criminals in jail, not supporting police, not doing anything to stop crime. But he's shoveling a whole lot of cash at, at Democrat special interest groups. He's shoveling a whole lot of cash at, at deficit spending that's causing rampant inflation. That is her answer. It's an utter non sequitur. And, and by the way, it's not just Henry Cuellar. Angie Craig, who is a Democrat member of Congress from Minnesota, was was assaulted in the apartment of her D.C. Uh, her D.C. apartment in February of this year. And, and, and this is a pattern that is happening over and over and over again. Let me give you some stats. Carjackings in D.C. are up 109 percent. Robberies are up 68 percent. Theft is up 22 percent. Homicides are up 38%. And, and the city is on pace for the deadliest year in two decades. Not only that, nine of the top 10 cities with the highest homicide rights are run by Democrats. 27 of the top 30 cities with the highest murder rates are run by Democrats. This is a pattern, and, and you're saying Corrine Jean-Pierre and, and the, the Biden White House utterly dodging responsibilities for their soft on crime policies that are endangering people all across the country. One last question for you. Will Democrats move on this? Because even the White House secretary was asked a question, a follow up where she could have kind of gotten a redo. I got to play it. It's too good not to. If President Biden's policies are helping bring crime down, would he be comfortable with somebody borrowing his Corvette and parking it on the street overnight in southeast D.C.? I'm not going to get into hypotheticals. I'm just going to get into the facts about what this president has done in this president. I mean, she still screwed it up. <laughs> Look, of course not. Nobody would. You park your Corvette on the street. It's going to get robbed. It's going to get broken into. It's going to get keyed. It's going to get vandalized. I, she can't answer that question. And so, you know what she's counting on? Look, that was a question from Fox News. So Fox will cover it. Ben, you worked for years at CNN. Did CNN cover that exchange? Hell no. MSNBC? No. ABC, NBC, CBS? Nope. They know that the corporate media, they are the puppets for the administration. They are the propagandists for the administration. They will repeat the regime line. And, and, and so, look, any sane person would say no to the question, would you be happy with your, 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 your classic Corvette parked on the streets of D.C.? Of course not, because crime is out of control. And the problem is, look, let me underscore that again. When the D.C. City Council looked at skyrocketing crime rates and said, you know what the answer here is? Let's lower the penalties on violent crime. That's the best solution. We've got too many murders, too many, too many murders, too many carjackings. Let's send people to jail for shorter times for murder and carjacking. That's a great idea. In Congress, thankfully, we overturned that. In the House, every single House Democrat except two, Vicente Gonzalez, a Texan, and Henry Cuellar, a Texan who was just carjacked in the last 48 hours, wow. are the only two who voted no. That means every other House Democrat. If you can think of a House Democrat— they voted in favor of lessening the penalties on carjackers and on murderers. Why do you think crime is out of control? Yeah, this is the Democratic Party, and this is certainly going to be an issue with the presidential election. Don't All right, forget, ben, 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 hold on. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you a final question. I'm ready. If you're standing by a doorway and you see a little red box that is three inches by four inches, 
<laughs> and it says the word fire on it. And it says, pull this for the fire alarm. My question to you is, is that a doorknob? That is not a doorknob, and that is not a way to exit the building. I, but how I, do you I, know? How do, how do you, you know, yes. Ben? Seriously. Yes. I mean, look, it's not Isn't like... Isn't that you, insurrectionism 101, right? Like, don't you immediately lock that person up forever? Well, let me ask you this. It's not like you were a high school principal. It's not like you were a high school principal in a high school that had fire alarms. It's not like you were a high school principal in a high school that had fire alarms that had a policy that said if you, a student, pulls the fire alarm... You will be expelled. Jamal Bowman, the Democrat congressman, was a principal at a high school that had a policy that if you, Ben Ferguson, a student in his in his high school, pulled the fire alarm, you would be expelled. And yet what did Jamal Bowman do? Oh, I'm going to pull the fire alarm because I want to stop the Republican vote. And why is it his claim? If you believe him, his defense is I'm dumber than a box of rocks and I think a fire alarm is a doorknob. That is his defense, and that's the best interpretation he can hope for. By, by the way, I have to ask now, because you brought it up. If a Republican would have done that, how fast would they have been kicked out of Congress? Uh, and would they be, have a mugshot at this point? To be honest, I don't think they'd be kicked out of Congress, but I think they might have a mugshot. And, and my guess is, uh, look, kicking people out of Congress is pretty severe. My guess is the votes won't be there for that. My prediction is... They will censure him. I think the votes will be there for censuring him. But it is a criminal offense in the District of Columbia to pull a fire alarm fraudulently. And he is on video doing that. But he is counting on the corporate media to ignore the fact that he was willing to pull a fire alarm to try to stop the Congress from voting on a provision that he didn't like, which, mind you, was a provision to fund the government. And he wanted to force a government shutdown. So he pulled a fire alarm to cause it to happen. But again... He knew the corporate media would cover for him, and they're doing it right now. As before, if you want to hear the rest of this conversation on this topic, you can go back and download the podcast from earlier this week to hear the entire thing. Hey, Ben Ferguson here. And if you're an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be a part of your investment portfolio. I want you to visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns when you invest with Labrador Energy, you have access to potential tax benefits, and you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Labrador's core executive team has more than 190 years of combined oil and gas experience and has drilled thousands of oil and gas wells. They are dedicated to mitigating risk while providing accredited investors with sound returns. So visit LabradorEnergy.com. American energy independence is crucial for our national security and future prosperity. And Labrador Energy is leading the charge to make that a reality. Invest in U.S. oil and gas Today. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. 
And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. I want to get back to the big story number three of the week you may have missed. Senator, you're going to love this. The t-shirts of the Texas Youth Summit are don't tread on me, which is awesome. And our next question is coming from someone that has that t-shirt on. I love it. Well done. Hello, Senator Cruz. Um, My name is Jenna. I go to U of H here. And I work at a tax firm as a tax consultant. And the tax deadline is coming up October 18th. And I was wondering how the government shutdown is going to affect the IRS and the accounting industry regarding that deadline that's coming up. And if you could explain kind of what's going to yeah, look, that's that's a very good question. Uh, and, and I expect that if the shutdown goes long and it could easily go a month, the last one was 35 days in 2019, the Schumer shutdown, it could easily go a month. What it would mean as a practical matter is that much of the manpower at the IRS that would be available to assist you, that would be available to process uh, returns, that would be available to answer questions, much of that manpower uh, is not going to be there. They will keep essential workers, and it's up to each agency to decide who is essential. But things like customer service almost always get deemed non-essential, and, and you end up with a significantly reduced workforce. And so you're working at a private firm. That, 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 that's going to mean that, that your clients are going to need your advice uh, more significantly because the IRS is going to be less available to be responsive, even less than they normally are. Let's take a question from over here. Hi, Senator Cruz. My name is Helen, and I'm from the Woodlands. My question to you is, are you in favor of the age and term limits to be elected for Senate and Congress? Thank you. Helen, thank you for that question. So so let me break them down one at a time. You asked about age limits and term limits. Um, On age limits, the only age limit we have for the Senate is the Constitution. So the Constitution provides that you have to be 25 years old to be elected to the House of Representatives. You have to be 30 years old to be elected to the Senate. And you have to be 35 years old to be elected president. Other than that, there are currently no limits when it comes to, to serving in federal elected office. And it's one of the reasons why you see so many people in the Senate who are 142 years old. Um, I I have joked, if you ever want to feel young, come work in the U.S. Senate because the the median age is such that that I have colleagues reminiscing about Eisenhower. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I feel like a a sprightly young lad in in the body in which I serve. Um, Term limits is something that that I emphatically support. And and so uh, I have repeatedly introduced in the Senate 
a constitutional amendment to mandate term limits, to limit senators, each senator to two terms, to limit each House member to three terms. Um, you know, it's interesting. Term limits was something I supported before I got to the Senate. But having seen this place firsthand now, I support it a thousand times more because this place is the swamp. It is corrupt. And the people who are here a long time are the worst. You get drawn in and corrupted by the swamp. And it's both parties. Look, the Democrats are bad. But for much of this spending that is bankrupting the country, we have a uniparty. We have Republican career politicians who jump in bed with the Democrats and eagerly spend trillions of dollars. And, and so term limits would be a major step to reducing that power and reducing that corruption. And it's an amazing thing. If you look at term limits nationally, over 70% of Americans support term limits. That's true among Republicans, among Democrats, and among independents. You see massive majorities supporting term limits. The one group that doesn't is career politicians in Washington. In the Senate, I have zero Democrats who support my term limits amendment. Every one of the Democrats is opposed to it. And uh, I've chaired, I, I used to be chairman of the Constitution Subcommittee of the Senate Judiciary Committee. I chaired a hearing on term limits, brought in witnesses to talk about term limits. And the reality is in the Senate, the young guys support my term limits amendments and none of the longtime career politicians do. And that's why neither Chuck Schumer nor Mitch McConnell wants term limits to get a vote on the Senate floor because they oppose it that much. So I've been fighting, but I have not been able to get it on the floor because Schumer and McConnell control what gets on the floor. Let's get a question on this side over here. Howdy, my name is Chad. I'm a sophomore in Houston, and I wanted to ask how Congress can give back some Tenth Amendment rights to the state and people after events like 9-11 and COVID have taken it away and given it to the federal government? Look, that, that is a fantastic question. Um, if you look at the, the, the Bill of Rights and you asked about the Tenth Amendment, when I was in college, I wrote my senior thesis on the Ninth and Tenth Amendments to the Constitution. And I'll tell you a little bit of the history of why they're written, and, and, and then I will get straight to your question. But originally the Constitution was written, there was no Bill of Rights. Uh, it was just the Constitution itself. And then there was a debate over whether to ratify the Constitution. And the two groups, there were the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. And the Federalists were advocating the Constitution's a good idea, we should ratify it, we should have it be the organic document forming our government. The Anti-Federalists were arguing against it. And one of the big arguments the Anti-Federalists had is they said, well, there's no Bill of Rights. This is a flawed document because there's no no provision in it protecting our fundamental liberties. Now, the Federalists came back and they said, no, 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 we don't need a Bill of Rights. And the reason the Federalists gave is they said, this is a government of enumerated powers. If you look at Article One, Section 8 of the Constitution, Article One establishes the Congress, the legislative function. And Article One, Section 8 specifies, it enumerates 18 specific powers that Congress has. And the argument the Federalists said is, look, we don't need to say that, that the federal government cannot violate your free speech, cannot violate your religious liberty, cannot violate your right to keep and bear arms, because there's nothing in the enumerated powers that gives the federal government the power to violate those rights. And so we've already done that by limiting the federal government's authority initially. Now, the anti-federalists came back and they had lots of arguments, one of which was, well, 
There's nothing to stop them from violating those rights within the enumerated power. So, for example, one of the enumerated powers is the power uh, to create and maintain post offices. Under the original Constitution, without a Bill of Rights, a government could say, the Biden administration will say, we will only transport letters from Democrats. All Republicans, we've decided, we don't want Republicans speaking anymore. So we won't transfer their, we, we won't transport their letters. Now, if the government tried to do that today, that would obviously be an unconstitutional violation of free speech. Without a Bill of Rights, it would be permissible. I think the Anti-Federalists won that debate. So we now have a Bill of Rights. The first 10 amendments to the Constitution are the Bill of Rights. And the first eight are protecting specific rights. And then Amendments 9 and 10 both say, Amendment 9 says the enumeration of certain rights in, in the Bill of Rights shall not be construed to deny or dis disparage other rights retained by the people. The Tenth Amendment says the powers not given to the federal government uh, are, are reserved to the states and to the people. Basically, the, the Ninth and Tenth Amendments restate that the Constitution is a Constitution of, of enumerated powers. In other words, they say, even though we just listed these eight Bill of Rights, we agree that the federal government probably couldn't have done any of this anyway. But we want belt and suspenders. And so the question, I think the Tenth Amendment solves an enormous number of problems in our country. I think federalism, having states decide um, and I, I would actually advise you to take a look at a center at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. It's called the Center for Tenth Amendment Studies. I, I started it. I was the first uh, director, the first leader of the Center for Tenth Amendment Studies at TPPF, and, and, and it's continued and is ongoing. I agree that a vast, we should put as much decision-making, as much authority as possible at the state level or even better at the local level because it's more likely to meet the needs of the people that are being affected and it's also more accountable. You, the citizen, are much more able to express your views and hold accountable local officials and state officials than some bureaucrat in a windowless office in Washington, D.C. Let's get a couple more questions in here on this side. Go ahead. Uh, hello, Senator Cruz. My name is Mary Malavid. I am 18 and from Magnolia, Texas. Um, it appears that Democrats have control of the elections illegally through mules and in counting ballots. How is our vote even going to matter? Is there a, play, a plan in place for actually having our votes count? Well, Mary, thank you for that question. It's a hugely important question. Um, you are right that voter fraud is a real problem. It, it is a persistent problem. Uh, it, it's a problem that, that has been around since, since the dawn of time, since the very first elections. I'm convinced that when the cavemen sat, got together to vote on who was going to be Grand Poobah, somebody stuffed the ballot box. That's, that's just human nature, that, that we have crooks and crooks try to steal things. Um, so we need to fight against voter fraud. We need to fight to preserve voter integrity. Now, the good news is we're in Texas. And Texas, the Texas legislature has passed legislation, strong legislation, designed to prevent voter fraud. It's not perfect, it still exists, but we have tools in place 
to prevent voter fraud. There are things like requiring photo ID, which we do in Texas, that reduces fraud. There are things like prohibiting ballot harvesting, prohibiting paid political operatives from handling someone else's ballot. That reduces voter fraud significantly. Ballot harvesting invites voter fraud. Things like limiting mail-in ballots. In Texas, we do so only in limited circumstances, typically seniors or people with significant disabilities. But for the vast majority of Texans, the way you vote is you go vote in person. We have a two-week period of early voting, so it's actually pretty easy to vote, but you vote in person. In-person voting reduces the chances of voter fraud. I think we need to be vigilant fighting against voter fraud. I've spent 20 plus years fighting against voter fraud. At the same time, if you look nationally, they're blue states, they're purple states, that they're not going to pass legislation to protect election integrity because the Democrats have decided they support voter fraud. It helps them. And, and it's the way the world's changed. Ten years ago, there were Democrats who would work with you on something like photo ID. There are none today because they've decided voter fraud is good for them. In blue states and purple states, they're not going to change their laws to stop voter fraud. Here's the good news. Historically, voter fraud typically only matters at the margins. It matters in a close election. So the answer is, in those blue states and purple states, we got to win by a big enough margin they can't steal the race from us. Now, that's not fair. It's frustrating. But the alternative is give up on our country. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of Democrats and a lot of people in the corporate media that want all of us to give up on our country. They want conservatives to say, well, voter fraud is still there, so I'm not going to vote to hell with it. And I'll tell you what, if we do that, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Then our country truly is lost. And I'll point as, as, as a moment of encouragement, look no further than the state of Virginia. Virginia went for Joe Biden by 10 points. Virginia has been blue for the past decade. Biden won Virginia by 10 points. One year later, in 2021, Glenn Youngkin, who's a good friend of mine, I campaigned with Glenn Youngkin all over Virginia, spent two days barnstorming the state of Virginia with Glenn. One year after Biden was elected, Glenn Youngkin was elected as a Republican in Virginia. Now, Virginia had not changed a single voter integrity law. They had the same lousy election laws they had the year before. But a whole bunch of moms, moms who had voted for Joe Biden, got ticked off at what the schools were doing to our kids, and they flipped over and voted Republican. That gives us a roadmap to what we can and I think what we have to do in this next election. As always, thank you for listening to Verdict with Senator Ted Cruz, Ben Ferguson with you. Don't forget to download my podcast and you can listen to my podcast every other day. You're not listening to Verdict or each day when you listen to Verdict afterwards. I'd love to have you as a listener to, again, the Ben Ferguson podcast. And we will see you back here on Monday morning. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.